0: Would
1: you like to say something to the class before we begin? Hi, everybody. How did you burn? I mean, you know how it is. How did you burn? I in and wrote in and whatnot. I'm going to steal a declaration of independence. I wouldn't make you out to be a burger, not in an outfit. Put the body back in the box. All right, now loosen up. I will be damned if I didn't get really
2: turned on we are back at subsequent movie podcast freed from the shackles of borat 2 hopefully forever and we're back with a bang this week ryan because we uh have just watched the classic john travolta danny devito gene hackman james gandolfini smash hit get shorty and not only that ryan we have a guest with us. We would like to welcome uh, to the show uh, Alex Keswick, who did our theme song. Alex, welcome aboard. Hey. Hi, everybody.
0: Going? Hi. It's going pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah thank you course. for coming on. I'm big fan of the show. I've been a big fan of both of you guys for a long time. Been listening to Video Game Choo Choo for a long time since both of you were on it. So,
1: Oh, nice. It's well, yeah,
0: been nice to follow you guys from that to here. And yeah, it's really exciting to be on here. yeah it's
2: it's great to have you and i mean when when we sort of like started this uh this second series or a third i guess uh kajolta club um you hit us up pretty early into this to be like hey if you're doing get shorty i want to be on for that
0: (laughs) yeah so like you said like you said i uh did write the theme music for this podcast um i think doing it for you is pretty much the uh Best way to describe it because I didn't really give you an option.
1: I kind of yeah. just
0: uh, <laughs> recorded it on my own, and I <laughs> kind of just slid up in your DMs like, "Hey, here's your theme music."
1: Well, it's good. It's like, the thing. The theme music is. is very
0: good. Well, that's it what is. it was. Is because yeah, I, I've been listening to it since Borat Club, and then realized you know you got a few episodes into Djok- Cajolta Club, and you guys didn't have a theme song yet. And so I had just gotten an iPad. Actually, I've been playing around with GarageBand, uh-huh. and so I just sat down one afternoon and yeah, kind of threw it together. And then yeah, just uh, added Niall on Discord and I was like, "All right, here's your theme music. <laughs> Go nuts." Hell yeah. Like basically I just like drove past your house and threw a brick through your window with a note tied <laughs> to it. that said, here's your theme song, bitch.
1: And then we said, Hey, would you like to be on the get shorty episode? Do you want to come talk about Danny DeVito? Thank you for this brick. We right. love it. It's very nice. <laughs> it was a really nice brick. It was a very nice brick is the thing. We love to hear
0: it. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. Like you said, I did uh volunteer to be on this episode. Um, if I'm going to be honest, um, if I was to have picked a John Travolta movie that actually meant more to me and that I've seen more often, I probably would have gone with uh, either Grease or Pulp Fiction. Sure. But it felt uh, presumptuous to kind of lay claim to like one of the two like big hitter John Travolta movies.
1: We would have loved to have had you on Greece, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, that, I would have been had a lot of fun. I love fun Greece. Time. I've
0: seen Greece so many times. Um, you uh-huh. know, since I was a kid, I, I have no idea how many times I've seen that movie. Uh, same with Pulp Fiction. I've seen that one a ton. That was my favorite movie for a few years when I was in like middle school. Sure,
1: totally. But, uh, yeah. yeah, they
0: were both the uh, yeah. I mean, those being like the big name John Travolta movies. It felt too much to be like, hey, I wrote a theme song for you. You have no choice but to use it. And also, I'm going to be on this <laughs> episode. <laughs> so, but Get Shorty is like you know the. Third runner-up was one I have seen a couple of times and did remember enjoying, uh-huh. and yeah, liked to have an excuse to watch it again. So
1: nice. Well, we're glad to have you. I am. Um, I am gonna say I had a pretty, pretty good time with Get Shorty. You know, a uh, very, very watchable movie. I'd say. I. I it's fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, had a good time, and it's always good to have a guest on here. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, you know. A lot of fun to have a kind of third opinion on these movies, right? Like, um, because I, uh, you know, me, I only watch movies for freaks. Uh, This is not (laughs) exactly a movie for freaks. Uh, So, a little bit outside my wheelhouse. So, I'm definitely interested to see what y'all have to say about it. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was at my uh, parents' house earlier, and I mentioned I was going to be on here tonight, and my mom asked which movie we were going to be watching. I said, Shorty, and she was like, oh, yeah, no, that's a good movie. I like that movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a solid, like, it's hard to, like, detract. It's, like, I wouldn't say it's a, like, A++, like, perfect film, but it's, like, a solid, like, enjoyable, watchable movie. And for being, like, under two hours, it doesn't overstay its welcome at all.
2: Yeah, it's, like, barely 90 minutes, If if even that. It is a quick watch like it is quick it is easy it is like
0: i want to say it's like 145 on the dot
2: okay 145 yeah
0: Letterbox
1: is telling me 145
2: okay cool well it 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 didn't feel that long to me which i guess is is good like Mm -hmm. i i do i do think it is just like it almost feels like kind of like i'm shitting on it a little bit saying this but to me it is like the like quintessential three-star movie it's just fun and easy to watch <laughs> yeah right yeah like, absolutely it blow me away either like you know but it, it's good though i mean travolta i mean being a solid three-star movie for, for john travolta is like
1: harder than I, you might think for yeah. them to achieve to achieve a reading of that lofty nature <laughs> yeah and I mean on the like grand scale
0: of Travolta movies, like it's gotta be up there in like the ninetieth percentile of quality. Oh sure. Oh definitely.
2: Easy, yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> like I would I would say really only what?
1: Like blowout and pulp fiction blowout. that we've done. Yeah.
2: Like uh, only maybe Carrie, but he's he's kinda barely in He's, Carrie. I
1: would say I would say Carrie is a better film than this, but his part in that is so minimal, I, I don't know if I would necessarily qualify it, right? Like
0: Right, yeah. it's It's kind of funny because like uh, thinking about Carey he uh, sticks out in my memory so much as being like a starring role in that film mm -hmm. but you go back and watch it and yeah like you said like he's been a very very he has a very short amount of screen time he's got
1: like three minutes of screen time Yeah, he's got
0: like three big scenes there's a scene where he gets a blowjob in the car Mm -hmm. there's the scene where they go to like you know hit pigs with a hammer like teens do and and then there's (laughs) the big prom scene at the end that's kind of like his only three big roles in in the uh, big scenes in
1: that movie so you would consider this Nile better than Boy in the Plastic Bubble is what I'm hearing.
2: I mean like this doesn't have any among us cosplay in it um mm-hmm. which you know does kind of drag it down but uh, I I do think this is a little better than that yeah <laughs>
1: It's so refreshing <laughs> to be in the phase of Travolta where he just plays, like, stoic comedy mobster guy instead yeah, of, like, creepy, so like, mega creepy, like, teen heartthrob spying on people over video cameras, you know, uh, complaining about this and that, uh, being an accomplice of sexual assault. Uh, we hate to see it. We really hate to see it. <laughs> we love to see is we love to see John Travolta tooling around in a leather jacket and just being uh, proverbially cool as ice, right? Yeah, yeah. very like, cool. He
0: doesn't have a lot of like emotional highs and lows in his role, like, he's kind yeah. of like one note throughout the whole thing, and it's a good note to hit. He can hold it for a long time,
2: yeah, 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 totally. I, I, I think between this and like pulp fiction, I think he really does like excel as that kind of character just this like shitty low-level mobster dude because i mean he just has this quality about him and i think ryan like we really noticed it early on when he's still supposed to be like this like teen heartthrob or whatever he kind of just can't help himself from coming off as a sociopath in most of these movies certainly and i feel like when he's just like a mob grunt like he can kind of lean into that in a way that just works for him you know like you well, don't have to be tricking yourself into thinking john travolta's <laughs> charming when he's not at all like
0: part of it is that he's got that travolta smile that never leaves yeah. his face yeah like totally. matter what he's saying he's got that kind of like half grin like kind of like puppy dog look that he's like looking at the camera with but yeah like you're the uh like a, a sleaze with a heart of gold is exactly, kind of like his best role.
1: Sleazy with the heart of gold is much more like easy to swallow for me when he's in his forties than when he's in yeah. his like twenties, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when I see him doing this kind of role when he's in his twenties and being kind of a sleazebag, I'm like, I don't know about that, but. You put John Travolta in a leather jacket now I'm now I'm saying well hello this is a John Travolta I can pay attention to this is a this is a, <laughs> a sleaze bag I can appreciate
2: I mean he did wear a leather jacket in Greece like pretty much the entire well, movie. I mean, that was like
1: a that was like a, you know, like an like a Greaser leather a jacket. Greaser, this, is, yeah. this is like a this is like a Howie Ratner uncut gems type leather jacket. Sure, like sure. sort of the soft, slouchy, you know, gold watch and jewelry type leather jacket.
0: The, uh, the yeah, the costuming in this movie is really good for being like relatively understated and like it kind of all blends into itself, but they do a really good job of like building characters by their wardrobe. I Mm -hmm. feel like, like you get a lot of sense of like who these people are just like based on the clothes they wear. And they also do a good job with the wardrobe of like transforming the actors into their roles. I felt like like John Travolta. Yeah. He's his wardrobe. Like you're talking about, he's got his like big long leather jacket. There's a lot to like hide his figure and make him look like this big, you know, tough Shylock monster type. In a way that you know he maybe isn't or wasn't at that time in real life. Yeah,
2: Yeah. I think I think where that where that like really stands out is Gandolfini uh, because he's absolutely in his Hawaiian shirts. He's got the most disgusting bald man ponytail you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) It's It's, great. It's it's so wonderful. (laughs) I love I love Gandolfini in this. His accent, where you're just. he's going all the way around the world, but he ain't ever stopping where he's supposed to. It's just <laughs> Absolutely.
1: incredible.
0: Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. He's uh, got this like really ridiculous Southern drawl the whole movie. And it yeah it works well to like disguise his actual voice and like make him feel like a character. But yeah, it is not good. It's not a good voice. And it's really hard to place down where he's actually supposed to be from.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. Niall, do you want to go ahead and tell the folks at home what this uh, film is about before we get too far into this?
2: Sure, yeah. So, um, John Travolta plays Chili Palmer, a great low name. level, a great name, a low level Miami mobster, uh, who is sort of a collection agent who is sent to Las Vegas, uh, to collect on a debt from, uh, a dry cleaner who, uh, faked his own death in an airline accident. Uh, Along the way, when he gets to Vegas, he is given the task of also collecting from a Hollywood producer played by Gene Hackman. Uh, And so he sort of finds his way uh, to Hollywood, begins to work with hackman on a movie based on the dry cleaner who uh, has defrauded uh, the like DEA or whatever and as all this is happening uh, at the same time you've got federal agents you've got the head mobster coming after the money you've got uh, cocaine traffickers from South America you've got a competing like mob outfit that's working out of a limousine rental uh, firm in LA who want to produce Hackman's movie as well and you've got all these sort of disparate uh, people collapsing in on this movie uh, where the entire movie is basically also uh, like hinging on whether or not they can get Oscar winning actor Danny DeVito who is the quote shorty that they must get for the movie
1: (laughs) The eponymous um, shorty who must the be the eponymous
2: gone, shorty, yes. <laughs> oh, He's goodness. the uh, not
0: the not the red herring. What do you what do you call the thing that you have? That you're questing for like the the driving force of the the MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah that's MacGuffin. what it is. I thought it was another fish for some reason, but no, it's not.
1: Hmm.
2: The idea yeah. of Danny DeVito as like a MacGuffin is just it's a wonderful <laughs> idea.
0: <laughs> it's very <laughs>
1: wonderful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's um, definitely, like, the, uh, you know, he's the golden idol from Indiana Jones. Just yeah.
1: getting, like, passed around. I,
2: I think, like, the idea of it being Danny DeVito as well is just such a great, like, comic bit. Because he's such just, like, he's just a little goblin man. And yet he is, in this world of Get Shorty, the, like biggest star on the planet like he is right. he he's is like lebron james and he and lady gaga and kanye west and donald trump rolled into a ball. like he's <laughs> yeah, on almost that every level uh, almost every
0: outdoor scene that you see there are like billboards with uh danny devito's face on them or martin weir is character's name his face yeah. on them in the background yeah like a like Ryan said, yeah, he uh, he plays Napoleon, was a big role that he was in, in the universe of this movie, which is fantastic. I said when that came up on screen when we were watching the movie that, like, I would kill to watch uh, Danny DeVito in a Napoleon movie in real life. Absolutely. Perfect casting,
2: honestly. I Imagine him doing the French accent, too. Like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'd be perfect.
1: Yeah, my one of my favorite bits of Danny DeVito is um what is this character's name? Something something weird, Martin it's Weir. It's Martin uh, Weir. Yeah, one of my favorite bits is later on when Travolta goes to attempt to collect this money which has become part of a DEA sting at the uh, Los Angeles Airport. He walks by a rack of books and there is a autobiography by Danny DeVito's character called Weird Tales with like weird apostrophe D with like him (laughs) you know doing the leaning over like black and white headshot on the front of it it's so good Get Shorty posits a sort of utopian society in which Danny DeVito has become the premier entertainer if not god emperor of Hollywood so I'm really interested to know more about this universe and how he ended up there (laughs)
0: Right. I feel like it wouldn't be like out of place if like you saw somebody paying for something in the film and like Danny DeVito was on the money.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like Danny DeVito was on the $3 bill in this movie.
2: God. It's, It's like when he's in the bookstore, Travolta and literally every book, every magazine, everything in the store has DeVito's face on it. Like every magazine from like, Vanity Fair, Newsweek, like Playboy, everything, he's just like on the cover of it. It's incredible to just God, I wish we lived in a world where Danny DeVito was just like on everything. It's like I'm just I just have this like image in my head now of like they live but you put on the glasses and you just see Danny DeVito <laughs> the everywhere. The
0: glasses. It's like a uh, being John Malkovich but Danny DeVito. Yes.
2: God. Oh, what a movie that would be.
1: Oh, man, Being DeVito? Can you imagine? <laughs> now, there's an idea. Being DeVito. If you had the chance to live in Danny DeVito's mind, would you? Like, to do like a Being John Malkovich-type situation on Ooh. DeVito?
2: I don't know if I would. I think I like him more, like... With with the mystique of not knowing what's going on in there, you know, like okay, I just, all right, I I just want to kind of sit and observe Danny DeVito at all times more than I do want to like. Uh-huh. get in there you know
0: you no know, there was a there was an entire episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia that was basically that oh really um, there was the one where um i can't remember what it's called and which season it's in but there is one episode where the entire uh, episode is shot from uh, frank's point of view and you hear his like internal monologue and everything and like just go through his whole day uh-huh and it yeah it is basically like just it is being devito essentially
1: being devito what a concept <laughs>
2: I I always wanted to watch that show and I've just never gotten around to it. It's it's one of my great shames that it like it's apparently like the greatest thing ever and I've never seen it. I think I've seen like one episode of it. I think I've seen the one where they like wrestle and that's just about all I've seen of it. Oh yeah, um, he's it's the a trash good show. Man. You you and have to, to be man. able to
0: have patience for a uh you know, the problematic elements of it, but it is a funny show and it does it, you know, with the purpose of pointing out how like stupid the main characters are, but it is still doing it. So depending on how much, you know, patience you have for seeing that on screen, you know, your mileage may vary for it, but it is definitely a really enjoyable TV series.
2: Yeah. I've always gotten the impression that like, it's not South Park just trying to be edgy and shocking. Yeah, for absolutely, the sake of it, right? That's like, exactly just... what I was
0: gonna say. Is yeah, it, it threads that line so much better than South Park does. Where South yeah. Park is just like being offensive for the sake of being offensive, as much as they like try to pretend that you know they're making social commentary. Always it does it much better.
2: Yeah. So, <sighs> fucking Travolta in this movie, right? I mean, I I just kind of wanna. I don't even know where to start with him in this because there's just some there's just something about him, right, as this character that I mean, we've said it a million times now that we don't think he's particularly good, but he just sells this in a way, and I think it goes back like we said earlier, to where he's just so much more believable as this like middle-aged man who's a shitty mob guy as opposed to a teen or a or a dancer or whatever but i feel like this is this is one of the few times i've really been sold on him if that makes sense in a movie right like where i'm not constantly looking at him and going this man is a freak he shouldn't be here this is <laughs> this is like weird that he's here right like
1: i mean i agree yeah i think um i think that this is about the time where his performance and like his sort of cultural persona have been subdued to the point where it's like just kind of him, like being a guy and occasionally being threatening and being kind of weird and cool, you know? And, um, I, I think he sells these characters that are a little bit, uh, you know, stylized more than he does selling being a normal human being. Right. Because, Mm-hmm. This is not a man who can act like a normal human being. <laughs> no,
2: he cannot. Like, he, he, I, I was, I was literally about to compare him to Nick cage. And then I remembered what the show that we do is, um, <laughs> uh-huh. like, but, but they are both people who you watch them in movies and you're like, you are doing what you think a person behaves like, right? Like you are you are not a normal person, but you think you know what a normal person is. And you're just doing that pastiche of a person.
0: Totally. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The two of them should be in some kind of club. What would they we call should. it? Yeah. yeah they they should, should
1: do, they should do a movie together where they, where they play two really weird dudes. Uh, that, that, I don't, I don't know. know. That'll never happen.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah my uh, my first
0: it. two notes here about John Travolta in this movie are, uh, well, one of them is that he, uh, So Chili Palmer in this movie, he's basically like a Ferris Bueller kind of character. Like he kind of just like glides through the film. Like he can do no wrong. He's completely untouchable. Everybody falls in love with him. And yeah, he's kind of just like this magnificent bastard kind of thing where just like everything he wants happens. And it's kind of got this magical quality to him. Mm -hmm. My uh, other uh, note here is just John Travolta big. (laughs) and this is part of what i was getting at with the uh, costuming is that like i can't tell if it's because so this is only a year after pulp fiction and Mm -hmm. he does not look nearly as beefy in that movie as he does in this one and i can't tell i feel like it has to be a costuming thing because like i said there's not that much time between these two films but partly the yeah the way they dress him with the big boxy uh, leather jacket And also just his uh, hairstyle being different between the two. I think his like long greasy hair in Pulp Fiction does a lot to like shape his face in a way that he looks like physically smaller than he actually is. In this one, he is a large, large man, which is only accentuated by the fact that they half the time he's staying next to Danny DeVito. Totally. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: you put anybody next to Danny DeVito for any length of time, and they're gonna look like a fucking giant. I mean, there's a there's the scene at the at the restaurant where Danny DeVito walks up after they're all sitting down already, and he's like the same height as Gene Hackman when Gene Hackman is sitting <laughs> yeah. down. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I I do think like Travolta being dressed like in these boxy clothes, they're all dark, they're all black. He is very much like as well somebody who. Because of the way his face and his head are shaped, I do think when you like cut his hair tight, he does kinda look kind of like a jarhead kind of dude, right? Like he just (laughs) he just naturally has that kind of facial shape and structure that he just he looks like somebody who should be more of a Chad, if that's like the right word to use. I, I mean, guess he's, a, sure. he's a
0: square man. He's got a square he head. Is. He's got a square forehead, square shoulders, square chin. Like he's essentially a refrigerator in a leather jacket.
2: Exactly, and yeah, that that just creates this illusion of him as a tough guy. When in reality, like in *Pulp Fiction*, you never believe that Vinny Vega is a tough guy you certainly don't believe it in Greece or in Saturday Night Fever or Carrie or anything else he's in. So I, I, I do think just like, this is maybe the movie that gets his costuming the most right that we've seen so far, I think, because he's just, absolutely he, they, he just, the way he looks in this all feeds into him just selling what he's supposed to be. And Again, I think the fact that he is aging by this point also helps, but yeah, definitely like, definitely a very square Travolta this time around. I think that's <laughs> going to continue for like the next little bit, maybe the next few weeks, Ryan, but like, yeah, like I mid-90s Travolta is definitely like to me, the Travolta, right? The, the star Travolta,
0: right? Post Pulp Fiction is when he really hit his stride and like, yeah, they figured out what movies to cast him in and what roles he was actually good in. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I, I would, I would absolutely agree. We're on, we're on a track here. Where we've got probably a good handful of films with Travolta before he immediately just spikes uh, downwards again in some very <laughs> interesting and compelling ways going forward. <laughs> like, yeah, I have to ask: Are,
0: are you guys going to watch uh, Battlefield Earth?
1: Maybe. You fucking know we are. You're like, we yeah, are.
0: absolutely. <laughs> of yeah, we I are. guess no no Travolta podcast would be complete without it.
1: We like. I feel like the idea that we would be watching Battlefield Earth. Was how we sold ourselves on this podcast at the beginning, like yeah, yeah. There was a lot of talk about Ladder, Area, Travolta, and Cage, and like the DTV stuff they had been in. But I think when we started pitching this to each other, I was extremely giggly and enthusiastic about the idea of talking about Battlefield Earth. So (laughs) yeah, that's interesting to me because I would have assumed
0: that the whole podcast was like reverse engineered from wanting to watch Face Off.
1: Yes.
2: Partly, but I I think, like, the way it was sort of heading was we were going to be doing a a club based around uh, another uh, actor who we were both kind of watching some films uh, from at the time and talking about a lot. Um, And then we kind of, I think we watched Battlefield Earth together and this idea sort of just... Formed that we needed to do Travolta and Cage is like such a natural complement to Travolta in so many ways that they just, and obviously with Face Off being the center. Like, that's going to be 25 of 50 or whatever that we do, so, like... Right.
1: Smack dab in it's the middle. It's the, the,
0: the yeah. black hole that everything else is uh, revolving around. It is. It, it truly is, yeah. yeah
2: and, um, I mean, <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting in some ways, because you see their careers wind up to it, and then very much wind down, at least in Travolta, uh, like, immediately, immediately after it. But Yeah, Cage
1: uh, Cage gets, gets a couple more bangers. He, he still does, rolls yes. on for a while, but uh, Travolta... It it is such an immediate roller coaster as soon as you hit Battlefield Earth and <laughs> it just like drops like just all the way down. I uh, I'm really thrilled for this going forward, but for now, what do y'all think about Get Shorty? Hit film Barry Sonnenfeld, John Travolta, Danny DeVito, Gene Hackman, and others. How how do we feel about the various subplots in this movie? Like all the different. Uh, you know pieces of characters that come together or in some cases don't come together right like I feel that the sort of Colombian or South American drug trade plot line just does not get resolved by the end of this and I think yeah uh, no I, th- I think that's okay but um what what are what are some of the best subplots in here I think the James Gandolfini bit uh for certain for certain he, is he, 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 is yeah. my favorite yeah Gandolfini
0: I, I, is definitely one of the better roles in this movie Huggle. Yeah, I
2: I think he's my favorite character in the movie because he's just it's such a look and he's got you know the backstory of being a stuntman who got injured and then he couldn't do stunts anymore and he's got his little daughter with him and he's trying to provide for her so he gets in with these mobsters or whatever like I think he he comes off in a way that's just very like likable despite the fact that he is. Mm -hmm. such a cartoon character in this movie um i i think he is definitely my favorite like plot thread that runs through here um like you said i i i think the the whole thing with the south american guys is kind of almost superfluous i feel like in a lot of ways um totally yeah because yeah, they basically
0: they're... only are in the film as a uh tool to get the bag of money into the airplane locker which yeah. ends up becoming the other like major MacGuffin in this film other than danny devito is that there's a bag with um i can't even remember how much money is supposed to be in there a lot a ton of money from a drug deal that uh ends up not going through because it ends up getting stashed away in this uh locker in the airport which is being watched by a I think it's DEA agents that are watching so, it. And yeah. so nobody can uh, retrieve it without being uh, mowed by the, uh, by the feds.
2: Yeah. Like there's a bit where uh Travolta engineers an excuse to open the locker next to the one. And he gets grabbed by the DEA and he's like, Oh look, I got nothing on me. I'm just a movie producer waiting for my wife to fly in. <laughs> yeah. He's got like, this
0: really circuitous plan where um, he gets set up by uh the people who oh – there's so many characters in this movie. It's uh, Gene Hackman's character, Harry Zim. The director also owes money to another pair of mobsters or loan sharks, I guess, who live in L.A. Um, there's Bo and – I can't even remember the other guy's name. I don't know if they ever even say what his name is. But Bo is like, uh, like the main antagonist or like one of the two main antagonists in this film. Mm-hmm. And uh, he ends up sort of, yeah, Gene Hackman owes him money, and uh, Bo ends up kind of in a competition with uh, John Travolta to secure um, this film that Gene Hackman is working on that's supposed to be a big hit to pay off their debts. And he ends up, uh, yeah, setting up John Travolta to go to the airport and pick up the money from the uh, airport locker And so John Travolta has this really circuitous scheme where he goes and he checks out the locker and he checks out the flights and comes with a backstory about, like you said, him, uh, you know, trying to pick up his wife at the airport flying in from out of town. And he pays this kids hanging out in like the airport bookstore to like go. And like, I think he actually buys one of the copies of a Danny DeVito's book or weird tales or whatever it's called and puts it in a bag and tells this kid like, Hey, I'll give you 10 bucks if you'll go put this in the locker next to this other locker. Like, I think the locker with the money is C-18. He tells the kid to put the bag in C-17. Yeah. And then he goes to pick up the bag later on and does, like, a switch where he pretends to go to the locker with the money in it, switches to the last second to the locker that has his bag in it, and the FBI agents or DE agents all mob him. And so that's how he figures out that the, the locker is being watched.
2: Yeah, it's like... An extreme level of competence for this
1: character.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm uh, saying. That's his Ferris Bueller. Like he sets up these like circuitous schemes. It's like that is functionally no different from like Ferris Bueller hooking up a string to his bedroom door that's hooked up to a dummy in his bed under his sheets to make it look like he's sick in bed rolling around when his mom comes to check on him. It's essentially like Ferris Bueller basically just grows up, like graduates high school, and then becomes a, a loan shark. I think this is a, a spiritual sequel to Ferris Bueller.
1: Love that. Love that. I mean, uh, who else would come up with a name like Chili C-H-I-L-I Palmer? <laughs> you know, that's a... He, he's mm-hmm. like, what does he call himself in Ferris Bueller? Abe Roman, the Sausage King of Chicago? This is <laughs> yeah. this Something is like that. Just it's in the same, yeah. same wheelhouse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we've cracked the code. Oh, my God. We've done <laughs> it. Yeah,
2: finally, we've got a... <laughs> you have got a direct link between them. <laughs> the Ferris cinematic universe, I guess we've established. Scientists
0: have been trying to <laughs> decode the uh, Ferris Bueller <laughs> get shorty <laughs> genome for decades. <laughs> and we've done it. What do we've you know? Done
2: it. Another just colossal achievement from. That's
0: how scientific progress happens, you know? Like they've discovered penicillin and some dirty dishes and some guy's sink. And this God. is essentially the podcast equivalent of dirty dishes in some guy's sink. So. <laughs> I mean,
2: you're not wrong. You're very much not wrong. I, I mean, I, I, feel like we were we were the dirty dishes in the sink for the first year there. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. felt I guess like yeah, that.
0: I guess uh, yeah. You're the dirty dishes after a year of watching Borat, and this is like you being run through the dishwasher, trying to cleanse yourself with some actually palatable films.
2: God. That's that's a comparison that's gonna stick with me, I think, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um,
1: Do you want to talk about the very high amount of testicular trauma that's featured in this film? Let's talk there about it. There is a right lot. Now. James Gandolfini gets hit in the
0: balls a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like by Travolta, specifically.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. um there's a great scene where they're at the this restaurant and um you mentioned this where it kind of reminded you of Batman from the 80s, right? Yeah, like- so
0: they're in this like restaurant with an interior loft and a, the layout of it like it's not the same restaurant but it looks like the restaurant inside the museum in the 1989 Timber and Batman film. And I said when it came up that like anytime you see a restaurant with this layout in a film, you know some sure it's about to go down, which does happen in this movie when yeah, John Travolta ends up throwing James Gandolfini down a flight of stairs.
1: Mm-hmm. after punching By his him balls in the nuts. to be yeah. to be fair yeah
0: <laughs> like i, yeah. I remember because i'm seeing correctly i'm pretty sure he just like puts one hand on his shoulder the other hand on his balls and just throws him like overhead down the stairs mm-hmm. the way like, a judo throw
1: the way Gandolfini falls is really funny too like he just kind of bounces down laying flat like a plank of wood just kind of tottering down the steps right and his Real- character
0: in this he plays a uh, he's a, he's a stuntman Yes. Yes. Been, he says at one point he's been in sixty films. He's a professional stuntman, and so he's able to take all this punishment that John Travolta is dishing out to him without, you know, basically being able to shrug it off because he does this for a living.
1: Well, good for yeah, him. Yeah, that's
2: that's the scene where uh, Travolta turns him to like his side after just kicking the shit out of him by <laughs> punching him in the balls yeah. a bunch of
1: times. Yeah, totally. Um,
2: and that's kind of, that's really the only reason that Travolta like gets him on side is because he's been in a lot of movies and Travolta as a character in this movie is playing a big film buff. He's like on cinema, Greg Turkington pretty much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's basically, so that's basically what his character in this film is, is that he is a, he's a loan shark working for the mob. He goes and shakes on people who owe, you know, the mafia money but he's actually does a really big film buff and he loves Hollywood. And so he goes out to, to, you know, Los Angeles to track down this guy who defrauded this airline out of all this money, who owes it to the mafia. And he just ends up like taking the opportunity to, you know, more or less like work his way out of working in the mob business and get into making film, which is what he's actually passionate about.
2: Mm -hmm. It's definitely
0: like, this is a movie about, um, the movies, which I always find kind of entertaining.
2: It is, which is not something at all that I was expecting. I, I didn't know a ton about this movie before we before we watched it but I kind of just assumed it was like a mafia caper and Danny DeVito owned somebody money or whatever I did not think it was basically going to be like travolta and Rene russo standing across from each other and going oh it's from that movie or whatever yeah right? like just throwing trivia at each other it's um, almost
0: as gratuitous as like uh, the scream movies are with how like on its face it is just yeah. about like the genre
2: yeah it, it's it's not quite at that level i don't think but it, like it, it is definitely right for sure up there like the, I, I feel like the big difference is that like the characters in this movie don't know they're in a movie, right? Like, whereas right, in Scream, absolutely. they're, they're constantly not as self like, But,
0: yeah. like, John Travolta's character is just he's a really big film buff. He loves Hollywood. He's seen every movie that's ever been made, essentially. All the other characters, because it takes place in LA, they are all, you know, even the monster types who are in this movie, uh, with one exception, are, um, you know, LA people who are also trying to make it in the movie business. So, you know, at the same time as they're you know butting heads and trying to you know get this money and you know bump each other off, they're also connecting on this level over like their love of Hollywood, which is pretty entertaining to watch.
1: Absolutely. How do y'all feel about the scene where Travolta is watching Touch of Evil and there's three people in the audience <laughs> and he's just quoting all the lines to
0: himself? <laughs> absolutely yeah it's great because he's yeah he's watching this movie he invites uh renee russo's character renee russo plays um karen flores who's a uh like a b-movie actress who mm-hmm. is like kind of at one point she dated Dane devito's character i think she's sort of dating gene hackman's character and by the end of the film she's uh hooking up with john travolta as well and she um yeah he earlier when they first made john travolta breaks into her house Because he's trying to get the money from Gene Hackman. They end up talking about movies instead. He breaks into her house a second time to apologize to her for breaking into her house the first time. And while he's there, he uh, invites her on a date, essentially, to go see Touch of Evil with him, which she turns him down. But then later on, he is at the movies. He went to see it by himself, and she goes, like, she shows up halfway through the movie and sees him there in the audience. And yeah, like you said, he's just, uh, in this dark theater, just quoting the movie along with it. Like, not even along with it, he's saying all of the lines, like, two seconds before they say, them on screen
2: yeah i think when when that scene happened in the movie i remarked that i would kill him if i was in that (laughs) theater with him and
0: I, I <laughs> and you know and like, then the, the lights turn on and then there's this guy who's sitting in the room in front of him yeah and the, the lights turn on and john travolta just like grabs him by the shoulder and is like wasn't that a great film when the guy just give him this look because you know for the past like two and a half hours you've just been like talking nonstop, stop and this guy's here quoting this entire film
2: the absolute worst type of guy like you could ever have in a screening of something just Oh my God! I would, I would be so mad if I was in that position. I would be right. so, so mad at him. Like that, that that scene alone almost made me dislike him as a character in this movie. Just like,
1: shut just having a good time. He do you, he's just too enthusiastic. Yeah. Do you think he would be quoting the movie like that if it was a full house, or do you think he's just doing that because oh, there's only totally four is. other people?
0: Yeah, he, yeah, he'd be doing it. He, he can't help himself. Mm. which i do do the same there are certain movies where like i can't watch *Night before christmas without quoting it along with it because i've seen that movie so many times that i can sure. just like say yeah. every line with it sure i think i'll probably restrain myself maybe in a crowded theater but i'm not john travolta
2: yeah like i i feel like Travolta's the type of dude who is like he's going to see new releases and he's in there you're you're sitting down and he's sitting behind you it's his sixth viewing of spiral the book of saw or whatever Uh, you're in there not really wanting to be there but everybody's talking about it and then you just hear him behind you being like hello i'd like to play a game or whatever and you're just (laughs) you're just in tears from frustration before the movies even like started and you're, you're just miserable um i feel like i'm projecting there really uh,
1: but uh, yeah it seems like you've got a real bone to pick on this one <laughs> yeah apparently See, I the do.
0: Uh, the uh, worst movie experience of my life was when i went and saw rogue one in theaters and the seat i was in was super uncomfortable like there was just a weird like there wasn't an armrest or something like that so i had nowhere to put my arms where we were sitting, they had this big, you know, glowing green exit sign that was, like, directly in my field of vision. There was no way I could turn my head to not have it, like, glowing directly in my eyes the whole movie. And it was, like, 10 degrees too cold in the theater. So I was miserable the whole time and hated the film. I definitely feel like this would, you know, at least top that. When John was leaning over my seat, talking to my ear the whole time.
1: Absolutely. When I was, um, when I was in uh, high school, I had my, you know, high school girlfriend and all that. And we went on a double date. We went to go see Michael Jackson's concert film, This Is It, like right after he died. Wow. The only other people aside from us were this really, really old couple sitting like maybe four rows behind us. And us being teenagers, we were like making out and like cracking jokes the entire time. And at one point, this woman <laughs> got up and she was like, "I have never seen anybody in a movie theater this disrespectful. I can't believe you are doing this to the memory of Michael Jackson." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" god.
0: Well, the the, re- the what you didn't know is that the reason she has such a strong reaction was because it was a second showing and John Travolta was in the
1: first one. Oh, of <laughs> yeah. course, yeah, yeah, he 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 had uh, snuck in beforehand. I think um. As an adult, I don't know what the worst movie theater experience I've had is. That's a. I feel like I've had plenty of pleasant ones, but I do think um, I did, like maybe seven years ago, six years ago, I went to go see a Kill Bill double feature. Mm-hmm. And at one point during the first movie, I started running a fever and I was like, well, I can't just leave. I already paid for these tickets. And so I wow. like sat there the entirety of Kill Bill 2, like my temperature just climbing and I was in, like, hysterics by the end of it because I was so feverish and I was so emotionally <laughs> affected by this movie. God, That's uh, the
0: worst. I remember, I can't remember which one it was, but I went to see one of the Lord of the Rings films, and I had to pee so bad, but I didn't want to miss any of the film, but also, oh like, no. those movies were, like, three hours long. No. Yes, like, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: I, I remember um, I went on a first date to see Ghost in the Shell Uh, on opening weekend because she really wanted to go and see it and it was very clear to me as we were going in that there wasn't much there between the two of us we get in to watch the movie Uh, there are three other people in the theater Mm. all of them had left within about 20 minutes (laughs) because it was so bad and so I'm just sitting there Next to this girl who I'm meeting, like, in reality for the first time, there's nothing between us. And we're just in this big, empty theater watching Scarlett Johansson's Ghost in the Shell.
0: (laughs) I've definitely been on dates like that where, yeah, there's just, like, zero chemistry. And, like, I went and saw um, Tron Legacy with a girl uh, shortly after high school. And, yeah, it was just, like, I mean, it wasn't even an awful date. Like, we were, like, okay, friends. But, like, yeah, like... It was a kind of day, kind of a not day, and we just didn't really have any, like, actual chemistry going on. It was just, Mm -hmm. yeah, the whole evening was kind of awkward, and, yeah. Yeah, having to sit through an entire movie like that when you, like, or just kind of, like, politely sitting next to somebody you don't know super well is definitely super awkward.
1: Totally, Yeah.
0: The experience being really great if, like, you're with people you really, really like and you're in an your MP theater, that can be awesome. Like, I remember when we, uh, in high school, when uh, Speed Racer came out, the live-action Speed Racer, mm-hmm. me and my friends went to the midnight showing of that film. Like, I think it might have been opening night, and there was nobody else. There was one other group of people in the theater in the very front row, and we were in the very back row, and we were just going nuts the whole time. And it was, yeah, one of the, like, most memorable, like, most exciting, like, yeah, best movie experiences of my life. But yeah, you definitely need to yeah have a good rapport with the people you're with if you're going to be in a situation like that.
2: Yeah, or even like the movie needs to be interesting, right? Like if, if yeah it's, for if sure if it's really good or if it's really bad in a fun way. It
0: can't be a like, Tron Legacy or Ghost in the Shell.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like if it had been something that was just so bad that like it was funny or whatever, like you could have bonded over it or whatever, like but no instead we're just sitting there being like i think this is bad i do too
0: this is the I, uh, the live action ghost in the shell too yeah right? the scarlett yeah. johansson one yeah uh,
2: um and yeah it was it was bad it was rough um unlike get shorty it was rough and it <laughs> felt shorty. like it went on forever um, yeah, uh, I would. I would be very, very upset if somebody travolted me like he does in that movie theater. In this, I think. I, would, I, I think he, it would be one of the rare instances where I would get mad at somebody in public. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't
1: blame you. I would not I, blame you.
2: Yeah, especially if it's like a quiet theater, right? Like, it, like it's one thing if it's like. Oh, I'm here at the fucking Jason movie and everybody's here and we're all hooting and hollering, not like I'm here. Right, at one he's watching the like an Orson Welles film, <laughs> yeah.
0: like a black and white Orson Welles movie from like 1942 <laughs> with like, you know, probably like 30 lines of dialogue
1: in the whole film yeah Just like john travolta uh, in the background yeah get his ass <laughs> orson <in>. yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, it's me standing up at like the second run theater during a retro a resident evil retribution like screening and telling people to fucking respect paul ws anderson's art or whatever no i'm like, the one
1: i'm the one <laughs> quoting in the theater in <laughs> yes, that situation oh my, are you kidding me <laughs> yeah
2: oh my god um yeah though uh Something else I do want to talk about is talking of the movies and the movies within the movie. Uh, I do love the kind of gag that kind of runs through this movie that despite being the best and most famous actor in the world, Danny DeVito's character is kind of like the worst actor you've ever seen.
1: Oh, totally. he's,
2: (laughs) He's like trying to get into character with Travolta, like giving him his motivation, and he just can't do it. At the end, you see like harvey keitel playing uh in in the like movie version of it and then it cuts to devito trying to shoot him with a gun and he just can't shoot and he's just monosyllabic like delivering his lines and it's just like I, i love that idea that in this world he is multiple oscar winning he is napoleon and he can't like read a line to save his life
1: yeah it's very funny
0: yeah, it's kind of the uh, interesting thing is they spend all this time, uh, you know, getting Shorty. It's the name of the film. Mm-hmm. And then once they get him, you know, that, isn't that just the way it is? Like, you spend all this time trying to get Shorty, and then once you have him, you don't want him anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're like, get
0: Like, the very last scene of the movie is they're filming the film they've been trying to, yeah, get produced this whole movie. And there's uh, John Travolta and Rene Russo are just talking off screen with the, one of the producers or something like that, just talking about how they have to replace uh, Danny DeVito's character because he's just a bad actor. <laughs>
2: it's yeah, very they, funny they're just like he's too short he's too short
0: yeah. i think go- that's the last line of the movie is that he's too short
1: he's yeah. too damn short he's too short i don't know i would if, if they made this movie for real like if there was a version of get shorty where danny devito was playing the john travolta character and i knew it was going to be bad i would absolutely go to see that right like (laughs) oh yeah i I think danny devito is a great performer too like he's he's very professional if you listen to interviews with him he's very willing to like have fun with stuff and the idea that he would make a bad movie that was just get shorty is is so funny um i would be there on opening day is all i'm gonna say
2: (laughs) yeah i mean you could put danny devito in like an action movie today and I would probably be there day one. Like he I, I love Danny DeVito and the idea that he is in something like the movie they're making is just like mwah. Even as this like fictionalized version of himself. I just Absolutely. Uh, Danny DeVito's the fucking best. Um Yeah, what else? Uh I feel like I don't know, I'm I'm kind of running out of things to say about Get Shorty. I'm gonna
0: be be because uh, to be honest, we've been talking for almost an hour and we kinda haven't really talked too much about the plot of this film. But it's kind of sure. there's not really like for it being a relatively elaborately like laid out plot with all these different running threads, there's not really a lot, you know, too much going on with it. Like like you said, it's a solid like three star movie. It's like entertaining to watch with like a really solid aesthetic. But like once you get past the fact that there's like, you know, five different, you know, character plot threads going on, like it's a relatively simple film.
2: Yeah, it doesn't ask a lot of you, right? Like, it's not like one of these movies where there's a bunch of stuff happening and all these timelines crisscrossing, right. and it's all out of like order. really,
0: yeah. All it is is that John Travolta is trying to get this money. He ends up, you know, kind of trying to get this movie made instead, but also trying to get the movie about his own life made, like using this movie that this 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 really good script that uh, Gene Hackman's character got. He's using that, like, as a front to, like, actually uh, float his own idea for a movie about, like, his life and about this uh, guy he's chasing after who defrauded the airline out of all this money. So you have that going on. You've got the other loan sharks in Los Angeles who are also trying to get their hands on this script. Um, you've got uh, the other guy. It's, uh, he becomes John Travolta's boss. Uh, Ray Bones is his name. He's another uh, mobster from where is he? Where is he even from? Miami, Did it, I Miami. Think that's right, Miami Beach. Yeah, the movie opens in Miami. That's right. Uh, he's another mobster who absolutely hates Hollywood. Like that's how you know he's like the villain of the movie is that he has no, <laughs> he doesn't watch movies. He hates Los Angeles. He thinks it's like dirty and smog filled and horrible. Meanwhile, John Travolta absolutely loves everything about it. So yeah, that's how you know that he is the uh, antagonist of this film. But uh, he's this, yeah, another, like, kind of lower-level mobster who, like, John Travolta, like, the beginning of the movie starts out where, like, they are at this restaurant, and Ray Bones leaves the restaurant and takes John Travolta's coat from the coat check uh, because somebody else took his coat or whatever. So John Travolta goes to his house and knocks on his door, and <laughs> uh, Ray Bones opens the door, and John Travolta just immediately punches him in the face, yeah uh, walks in, grabs his coat, and walks back out. And then uh, later, the next scene is Ray Bones comes to, like the barber shop that uh, John Travolta works out of, and like comes sneaks in with a gun to try to shoot him. John Travolta hears him coming, like just pulls out a gun, and the second he opens the door, he like shoots a bullet like raises the top of his skull, and so yeah, he's broken his nose. He's like yeah, he's got like a bandage on top of his head because John Travolta shot him with a bullet, and then John Travolta's boss, whose name is Momo which is another great name for a mobster in this movie, Yeah, uh, ends up dying because they throw him a surprise uh, party for his birthday, and he has a heart attack and dies, and so Ray Bones ends up becoming John Travolta's boss. So he's the one who sends John Travolta to uh, Los Angeles in the first place to get this money, and he ends up uh, hunting down John Travolta when he doesn't come back, when he gets wrapped up in the movie business instead. So you've got that thread going on, you've got the movie thread going on, then you've got this other that we've talked about before, about the... uh, the Colombian drug money and the locker in the airport. And yeah, just these, basically those three threads are the kind of, the the main things going on in this movie. There's not really a lot to it other than that.
2: Yeah. I I do really like that, um, that Ray Bones is like, he's not even like the godfather or whatever, right? Like he's, he himself is a pretty low level dude. Like you see him earlier in the movie after Travolta shoots him and he's like going to the actual, godfather right like i do like that for once yeah. it's it's like he like he, like, he does he tries
0: to get permission to like take out john travolta and his like actual boss is like no absolutely not like why like this is stupid nonsense that i don't care about right and yeah, he eventually exactly. just like he more or less like he becomes john travolta's boss but he's like john travolta's floor supervisor is like his level yeah. in the mafia
2: yeah pretty
0: much yeah. like no actual power but like he has like a different colored polo shirt
2: yeah, exactly. Um, God, yeah. Something else I really like about this movie is its score. I mean, just just a great score. Um, some tremendous bass lines there. Just a very groovy, like light and fun like score that I think is, for me at least, in what we've done uh, this series. I think it's definitely up there. I mean, not that it has too many like heavy hitters to to go up against but like i i just really liked the music in this movie i thought it was like really excellent
1: absolutely yeah, yeah it's, it's great
0: it's definitely a solid it came up a couple of times during the watch that like it sounded like menu music from like a video game like yeah some kind of casino game or like a 90s like ps1 like skateboarding game or something like that just like menu music yeah like i know it's it, really good
2: Definite, like, cart racer uh, feel (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally, um, yeah. Or, like, mascot platformer or something like that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: I said when when the opening credits started, they go on for, like, three minutes or whatever, and they've got the, uh, like, neon blue, the neon pink, like, colored letters, and this, like, horns and bass line, and, like, there's, like, record scratches mixed into it, and it's, like, the most 90s opening credit sequence, like, you would have ever seen in your life.
2: Yeah, we're we're finally. I feel like fully out of the eighties now. Um,
0: but like in that like early nineties like vibe, where it was like still coming out of the eighties, like still eighties tinged, but like definitely into like the nineties, yeah. like much cooler, like kind of more muted uh, yeah. color palettes, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, th- this this to me is the first one that really feels like we've crossed the 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 line that is 1995 or whatever right like it, right. it it really feels like okay we've like fully accepted that things are changing and that the aesthetic is changing like there's no more like mullets or whatever right like
0: right it's got that like yeah you get out of like the kind of the, you know the the synthesizer sort of tinged soundtracks of the 80s and into like once you're like fully in the 90s is like when everything is like hip-hop and like smooth yeah, jazz inspired exactly. like yeah. those two like bundled together
2: yeah exactly i i thought one of the one of the pieces of music um just as it like started to pick up and like the the baseline of it i just was like oh this is like a goldfinger song and for like <laughs> for about three seconds i thought we were gonna get some ska in this movie but we didn't and that kind of was a letdown but you know i mean we're, we're still a few years away from ska I yeah think. it's definitely uh,
0: like proto-ska is what it feels yeah. like <laughs> one's, yeah. one's, one, uh, one degree removed from that yeah and while i'm kind of looking at the wikipedia thing it says yeah the movie features an acid and soul jazz themed soundtrack with songs mm-hmm. by us3 morphine booker t and the mgs gray boy and Modesky martin and wood which none of those are bands i've heard of but they all sound exactly like the bands who would be in this movie
2: yeah exactly
0: and the uh, the soundtrack was uh, nominated for a grammy for uh, best instrumental composition written for a motion picture for television Dep-
2: definitely so it was well
0: received at the time john yeah. travolta also won a uh, golden globe for uh, best actor
2: wow okay i mean i don't i don't know that i would put him on on that level but i think we just have this inherent bias at this point against travolta <laughs> uh, so, right
0: but yeah. i mean like you said this is like this is like the epitome of travolta you know this is like the platonic ideal of travolta film <laughs> like he fills the role uh, absolutely
2: yeah yeah totally he totally does um yeah anything else
1: i think i'm okay i think we pretty much covered get shorty good a pretty good movie yeah, a pretty good Yeah, I'm movie. looking at
0: my notes, and I think I pretty much hit everything that I've written down. There's a couple of other things. Like, uh, we had talked at one point during the film about what it would be like if John Travolta played the Joker. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> <right>. yeah, that's <laughs> right. I think uh, having, we've already been talking for an hour, so I don't think we need to spend another hour talking about that. But <laughs> it is something that to put in people's heads.
2: Uh, I, I would have loved, like... Joel Schumacher era Batman, like he would have been the perfect oh, Joker God, for yeah. that. Like well, honestly, 100%. I'm trying to think
0: about it. Even if he wasn't the Joker, I would definitely see him playing uh, Two Face. He would have been a good Two Face uh, yeah, if it I wasn't. If it go he would to, have been better um, than
1: Tommy Lee Jones. That's Tommy for sure. Lee Jones. was trying to think of. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a hot take. I, I don't really like him in that movie, but <laughs> John Travolta would have been a lot of fun
0: i'm trying to imagine like john travolta being in the same movie as a uh, jim carrey and it just does not <laughs> it
1: doesn't, like,
0: I, I can't imagine that in my head
2: oh see i was trying to imagine him with uh with arnie as like joker and mr freeze i think that's oh like, yeah i think that's the
0: pairing you've got uma that thurman
2: in there as well like i mean that's just that's a he heavy could be hitter's. um
0: he could have been clayface
2: yeah, he's got that I kind of like square, yeah.
0: like yeah. made of made of made of clay. <laughs> he kind of <laughs> looks like he's made of clay to begin with. Um, or what's his name? Uh, hammerhead. He's like the monster guy who's got a uh, steel implant in his skull. It's his superpower <laughs> so oh, he can just hit right. you really hard with his head and like yeah. break through brick walls? He would have been a good hammerhead.
2: Yeah. God. I mean, I know he's like seventy years old now, but. I'd, I'd be alright with them finding some way to put him in, like, one of those movies now. I, I, I could see him now that he's, like, fully embraced just being bald. Um, I could see him as Kingpin, maybe, in the MCU if they wanted to go that, that route.
0: Right, I'm trying to look at, like, um what yeah. John Travolta looks like now. He's I mean, he's definitely older. He's definitely filled out a good bit from uh, his lithe, grease days. Yeah, uh, Kingpin. He could be Kingpin if you shaved him bald. I could see that. Yeah, I, I think maybe <laughs> he should Kingpin. have been. Uh, he should have been Thanos. Oh, Just that paint that him purple.
2: That would have been good. <laughs> I like that. I like. I like him if, as uh, Thanos. If, yeah,
0: if uh, the Avengers movies had been made like 15 years earlier, John Travolta would have been Thanos.
2: Ooh, that. <laughs> That is good casting. You, I mean, you can still do that. You just CGI him a little bit, right? It'd yeah,
0: like, it was, it was just deep fake him into this into the scene like they do with all the uh, all those uh, YouTube videos where they uh, CGI in um, Tobey Maguire's Spider Man into right, yeah. scenes from like Avengers Endgame.
2: There you go, Marvel. That's how you. That's how you're gonna get me to finally like
0: <laughs> yeah watch. That's your how you movies. get now to subscribe to Disney Plus.
2: Yeah, like just just give me Travolta's Thanos. Give me that. I'll, I'll I'll watch one of your movies finally. Um yeah, I guess then that about will do it for uh Get Shorty. Um next week we're going back to Nick Cage. We're going back to I think one of the heavy hitters uh for this series uh this season. We're going to be doing our, f- I was going to say our first Oscar winner, but that's not true because Borat won an Oscar. Um,
1: <laughs> Don't remind me.
2: Yeah. Uh, leaving Las Vegas next week. Y'all
1: ready to be depressed? <laughs> you ready to be fucking <laughs> sad am. on this podcast? Already Oh, I am I'm already there. Yeah, already well, there. Yeah. Buckle up, my friends because <laughs> uh, yeah. we are going to see nicholas cage at his lowest low as a human being and his highest high as an actor it's going to be a hell of a time
2: it is oh we forgot uh, a couple of our normal normal segments here uh the oh, first sure. of them yeah. I, I i we normally do the wigometer right to judge uh, travolta's hair here but I, I I gotta say I'm I'm gonna make a ruling here at least from my uh my judgment on this I'm going to just switch over to the Gandolfini wigometer here this sure. week and just give it like a full on ten I love
1: incredible heavies. look
2: I love heavies in movies that are just middle aged with bald man ponytails it is just an incredible look it's it's he's kind of like Robert Zadar, but like.
0: <laughs> yeah, his his costuming in this film is like definitely outstanding. It came up before we started recording that. uh I feel like to me, like uh, James Gandolfini in this movie is almost completely unrecognizable. Like he's got this yeah. thick Southern drawl, he's got like he's got a ponytail. Like you say he's got a full beard, and the way they costume him, like he just looks like a really big guy. Which not that he wasn't, but uh, so we only just recently, in the past like month or so, started watching The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. So it's the first time I've like actually been like heavily exposed to James Gandolfini. And in that, he actually looks like he's, hes you know, he's a big guy, but the way they dress him in that, he's got these big shirts, he's got these big pants, He look, he's bald, he looks, you know, he, he almost looks like a Danny DeVito type. He looks like he's the kind of shorter, like, punchier kind of guy. And this, he's like a big, stocky, like, beefy guy. And part of it has to do with him aging, I'm sure, but, like, The Sopranos only came out four years after this movie did, so it's not even that so much. It's just, like, they do a really good job with this costuming in this movie to, like, make him into a character.
2: Yeah. It, it's a fantastic look. I'm I'm a big fan of Gandolfini in this.
0: <laughs> I also really hope you guys post on Twitter the uh the mm-hmm. the picture that um Ryan put in the uh chat of his uh shirt that looked exactly like James Gandolfini's uh, outfit in this movie. God, yeah. yeah, I've
1: got a I've got a whole closet of those. I, I used to have I think close to thirty But um, after I moved, I culled them down, and I think I probably have around, like, 18 or 20 at this point. Um, But um, there was a time when I was working at the toy store in Austin when I was buying a ton of them because I was like, okay, I'm working at a toy store. I have to talk to people. Uh, I want to look more approachable than I am, so I'm just going to put on uh, the brightest Hawaiian shirts I can possibly find. And I was like, you know what? I actually really like wearing these, so... Here we are, staple, uh, staple of my closet. You know, incredible. Yeah.
2: I mean, when I think of Ryan, I think of primary. Like one of one of Ryan's like character traits on the sheet in my <laughs> mind is 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 Hawaiian shirts. It's mm-hmm. that. It's like Garfield, and it's a picture of Paul W S Anderson, and that's like
1: grim. <laughs> very good but very grim at the same time (laughs) and the word
2: freak just written across the 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 whole thing Um, sure. yeah uh what else so alex we like to ask ourselves a question on this show after we watch a movie and i think i know the answer here but do you Think we we can actually ask you if you if you think it's better than Borat? You said you hadn't seen it, right? Or you did see it, but you forgot. Well, so what I
0: was saying was, I don't. I think this came up right before we actually started the episode, but I had not seen Borat at the time that I was listening to Borat Club, and I had sort of made it a point that like I'm never going to watch this movie because I just want to have the image in my head that's being described. I thought it'd be really funny to do that. But uh, my roommate wanted to watch Borat 2 when that one came out. So I watched that. And then I was saying that I am 99% positive that I have seen Borat 1. That we watched it after we watched Borat too, like within a couple of days, but it completely erased itself from my mind. Like I have no memory of it whatsoever. The only thing I can remember is you guys talking about it, and so I'm still not sure I've actually seen it, even though I'm pretty sure I did.
1: You've experienced it, but yeah, not seen I've
0: it. it. Borat happened to me. Yeah, yeah. like yeah.
1: an alien abduction. You know,
0: exactly. It's exactly what it felt like. Yeah, there's a there's a missing chunk of time. Where it's suddenly fast forwarded two hours, and I know something happened in there, but I'm
1: not sure what. Yeah, do, X do, Files get on the case. the The missing Borat viewing. We're gonna get it mm-hmm. solved.
2: <laughs> do you do you get the vibe that the the two hours you spent with Borat were good or really bad? Uh,
0: I just feel like there were nothing.
2: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Just two completely empty hours. I could have stared at a wall and had the exact same experience. Because, like I said, I have no memory of this film.
2: Yeah, God. I mean, for what it's worth, I think Get Shorty is better than Borat. Ryan, I would say. Yeah,
0: I would say it's better hands than down. Borat. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a solid film. It's a. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at it here. It's got 88% of Rotten Tomatoes. It's um. Let's see, average rating of 7.74 out of 10. It's got a B plus. Yeah, so, you know, a bunch of, like, it's a solid, you know, B movie. Not a B movie, but a B-grade movie on a scale of
1: F to A.
2: No, uh, B movie, maybe in the future, uh, for us, I don't know, Ryan. Um, Seinfeld
1: Club? Yeah, Seinfeld oh Club.
2: That, you, oh, you would not, I, I don't think I'd get through that. Well, I would,
1: maybe. Maybe, maybe. He's only been in like four movies, right? Like he can't have been in that much.
2: Yeah, we'll have to watch each one for like a month. Um, uh, but yeah, um, Alex, thank you very much, uh, for spending some time with us.
0: uh, Yeah, thank you for having me on.
2: It's been great having you on. We always really appreciate when somebody comes by uh, for the show. Um, Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Yeah, as as we said at the start of the show, you did our uh, theme song for the podcast. Uh, you know, if people want to get in touch with you or follow you on the internet or whatever you're doing uh, out there, uh, where can they do that?
0: Uh, yeah. So let me look here because I'm trying to remember what the actual URL is. If you did want to download the theme song, I have it up on my uh, side Bandcamp, which is, I believe, D R N zero zero seven dot or drn dash zero zero seven dot dot com which is like my electronic sort of chip tuning side project okay so that's on there one of those two urls um i'm also on twitter at a uh, cellobuster that's my uh, screen name on most uh platforms it's a c e l l o b u s t e r I don't think it came up during the podcast itself, but at one point um, we've been on hiatus for a very long time. But at one point, I did uh, host or co-host a movie podcast called "What the Hat," where we uh, watch movies with bad um, heteronormative romances and figured out how we would make them better and gayer by uh, basically shipping the main characters with uh, other (laughs) characters in the movie who we think they'd be a better match with. Sure. Uh, So there's a few episodes of that out there. It's called What The Het, H-E-T, if you want to find that. Um, Other than that, my uh, only other big creative project right now is uh, I've been running a uh, Twitter and Instagram account called Lesser Known Cryptids, which is a... uh, Essentially, it's a photo project where I'm cataloging um, lesser-known or undervalued cryptids of the world, which essentially just means that I collect a bunch of weird and creepy photographs that I post uh, and come up with uh, names or captions for them that I post as if they were lesser-known cryptids. Um, so I have those on there. That's been going for a couple of years now. So if you want to find that and see all of the photos I collected, that's uh, yeah on Twitter and on Instagram at, uh, at Lesser Cryptids. So that's kind of my main thing that I have going on right now. Not too much else going on in the fire.
1: Awesome.
2: Great. Um, Ryan, you do another show on the internet. Uh, where can people find that?
1: Yeah, uh, the other show is Emojidrome. That's on Twitter at Emojidrome or on your various podcast applications. That's Sylvie and I. We just recorded an episode on, I believe, the person fencing emoji which got really wet and wild, as they tend to do, so check that out. I think it'll be up by the time this goes out. I am also on Twitter at Cursecoat, and I am on Letterboxd at Sewer Peak, P-E-A-K, where you can find me talking about stuff, whatever whatever I watch, you know? What have I been watching lately? I don't know. I rewatched Suspiria today, the great movie, wonderful film. Mm, the older, the new one uh the old one i do not like i
0: have not seen the new one we only just watched the old one for the first time um a couple Mm -hmm. months back and yeah it was definitely uh, an experience it
1: is easily one of my top five favorite films uh but yeah if y'all want to check me out i also publish reviews here and there which i put on my twitter and niall what are you up to these days let us know
2: Uh, yeah, I have a letterbox as well at emochrist, E-M-O-C-H-R-I-S-T. I I do not have a personal Twitter or social media, thank God, anymore. Um, but we do have a show one. We're on Twitter at Borat Club. Uh, we would love it if you followed us there. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a like, a rating, or a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please also tell a friend. As we always say, we're not part of a network and we don't advertise this anywhere, so it only spreads via word of mouth. And we really appreciate when people do that. Um, and yeah, like we said, next week, leaving Las Vegas. Uh, Oscar winner, very depressing, can't wait love it love it love it love it uh ryan thank you as always for being on uh, joining me through this horrible journey alex again thank you so much uh for coming on it was a pleasure to have you on
0: Uh, yeah thank you uh
2: stay safe at home and we will see you next week
1: see you next week see you next week probably not